Chapter 6, Part 1 of the Miracles of Our Lord. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Miracles of Our Lord by George MacDonald. Chapter 6, Part 1. MIRACLES GRANTED TO THE PRAYER OF FRIENDS If we allow that prayer may in any case be heard for the man himself, it almost follows that it must be heard for others. It cannot well be in accordance with the spirit of Christianity, whose essential expression lies in the sacrifice of its founder, that a man should be heard only when he prays for himself. The fact that in cases of the preceding group faith was required on the part of the person healed as essential to his cure represents no different principle from that which operates in the case of the present group. True, in these the condition is not faith on the part of the person cured, but faith on the part of him who asks for the cure. But the possession of faith by the patient was not in the least essential as far as the power of Jesus was concerned, to his bodily cure, although, no doubt, favorable thereto. It was necessary only for that spiritual healing, that higher cure, for the sake of which chiefly the Master brought about the lower. In both cases, the requisition of faith is for the sake of those who ask, whether for themselves or for their friends. It matters not. It is a breath to blow the smoking flax into flame, a word to draw into closer contact with himself. He cured many without such demand, as his father is ever curing without prayer. Cure itself shall sometimes generate prayer and faith. Well, therefore, might the cure of others be sometimes granted to prayer. Beyond this, however, there is a great fitness in the thing. For so are men bound together that no good can come to one, but all must share it. The children suffer for the father, the father suffers for the children, and they are also blessed together. If a spiritual good descend upon the heart of a leader of the nation, the whole people might rejoice for themselves, for they must be partakers of the unspeakable gift. To increase the faith of the father may be more for the faith of the child healed in answer to his prayer than anything done for the child himself. It is an enlarging of one of the many channels in which the divinest gifts flow. For those gifts chiefly, at first, flow to men through the hearts and souls of those of their fellows who are nearer the Father than they, until at length they are thus brought themselves to speak to God face to face. Lonely as every man in his highest moments of spiritual vision yea, in his simplest consciousness of duty, turns his face towards the one Father, his own individual maker and necessity of his life. Painfully as he may then feel that the best beloved understands not as he understands, feels not as he feels, he is yet in his most isolated adoration of the Father of his spirit, nearer every one of the beloved than when eye meets eye, and heart beats responsive to heart, and the poor dumb hand seeks by varied pressure to tell the emotion within. 
often then the soul with its many organs of utterance feels itself but a songless bird whose broken twitter hardens into a cage around it but even with all those organs of utterance in full play he is yet farther from his fellow-man than when he is praying to the father in a desert place apart the man who prays in proportion to the purity of his prayer becomes a spiritual power a nerve from the divine brain yea perhaps a ganglion as we call it whence power anew goes forth upon his fellows he is a redistributor as it were of the divine blessing not in the exercise of his own will that is the cesspool toward which all notions of priestly meditation naturally sink but as the self-forgetting god-loving brother of his kind who would be in the world as christ was in the world when a man prays for his fellow-man for wife or child mother or father sister or brother or friend the connection between the two is so close in god that the blessing begged may well flow to the end of the prayer such a one then is in his poor far-off way an advocate with the father like his master jesus christ the righteous he takes his friend into the presence with him or if not into the presence he leaves him with but the veil between them and they touch through the veil the first instance that we have in this kind occurred at cana in the centre of galilee where the first miracle was wrought it is the second miracle in st john's record and is recorded by him only doubtless these two had especially attracted his nature the turning of water into wine and the restoration of a son to his father the fatherhood of god created the fatherhood in man god's love man's love and what shall he do to whom a son is given whom yet he cannot keep the divine love in his heart cleaves to the child and the child is vanishing what can this nobleman do but seek the man of whom such wondrous rumors have reached his ears between cana and tiberius from which came the father with his prayer was somewhere about twenty miles he is at the point of death said the father except ye see signs and wonders ye will not believe said jesus sir come down ere my child die go thy way thy son liveth if the nobleman might have understood the remark the lord made he was in no mood for principles and respectfully he expostulates with the lord for spending time in words when the need was so urgent the sun of his life was going down into the darkness he might deserve reproof but even reproof has its season sir come down ere my child die whatever the lord meant by the words he urged it no farther he sends him home with the assurance of the boy's recovery showing him none of the signs or wonders of which he had spoken had the man been of unbelieving kind he would when he returned and found that all had occurred in the most natural fashion that neither here had there been a sign or wonder have gradually reverted to his old carelessness as to a higher will and his ordering of things below 
but instead of this when he heard that the boy began to get better the very hour when jesus spoke the word a fact quite easy to set down as a remarkable coincidence he believed in all his people with him probably he was in ideal reality the head of his house the main source of household influences if such then a man of faith for where a man does not himself look up to the higher the lower will hardly look faithfully up to him surely a fit man to intercede for his son with all his house ready to believe with him it may be said they too shared in the evidence such as it was not much a sign or a wonder to them true but people are not ready to believe the best evidence except they are predisposed in the direction of the evidence if it be said they should have thought for themselves i answer to think with their head was no bad sign that they did think for themselves a great deal of what is called freedom of thought is merely the self-assertion which would persuade itself of a freedom it would possess but cannot without an effort too painful for ignorance and self-indulgence the man would feel free without being free to assert one's individuality is not necessarily to be free it may indeed be but the outcome of absolute slavery but if this nobleman was a faithful man whence our lord's word except ye see signs and wonders ye will not believe i am not sure it may have been a rebuke to those about him this man perhaps as is said a nobleman of herod's court may not have been a pure-bred jew and hence our lord's remark would bear an import such as he uttered more plainly in the two cases following that of the greek woman and that of the roman centurion except ye see signs and wonders ye will not believe but this man with this meaning i should probably have been content were it not that the words were plainly addressed to the man i do not think this would destroy the interpretation for the lord may have wished to draw the man out and make him a gentile or doubtful kind of jew rebuke the disciples only the man's love for his son stood in the way he could think of nothing speak of nothing save his son but it makes it unsatisfactory and indeed i prefer the following interpretation because we have the other meaning in other places also because this is of universal application and to us of these days appears to me of special significance and value applying to the men of science on the one hand and the men of superstition on the other my impression is that our lord seeing the great faith of the nobleman grounded on what he had heard of the master from others chiefly of his signs and wonders did in his remark require of him a higher faith still it sounds to me an expostulation with him to express in the best way my feeling concerning it i would dare to imagine our lord speaking in this fashion why did ye not pray to the father why do you want always to see the door of prayer has been open ever since god made man in his own image why are signs and wonders necessary to your faith 
but I will do just as my father would have done if you had asked him. Only when I do it, it is a sign and wonder that you may believe. And I wish you could believe without it, but believe then for the very work's sake, if you cannot believe for the word and the truth's sake. Go thy way, thy son liveth. I would not be understood to say that the Lord blamed him, or others in him, for needing signs and wonders. It was rather, I think, that the Lord spoke out of the fullness of his knowledge to awaken them some infant sense of what constituted all his life, the presence of God. Just as the fingers of the light go searching in the dark mold for the sleeping seeds to touch and awake them, the order of creation, the goings-on of life, were ceaselessly flowing from the very heart of the Father. Why should they seek signs and wonders differing from common things only in being uncommon? In essence, there was no difference. Uncommonness is not excellence, even as commonness is not inferiority. The sign the wonder is, in fact, the lower thing granted only because of men's hardness of heart and slowness to believe, in itself of inferior nature to God's chosen way. Yet if signs and wonders could help them, have them they should, for neither were they at variance with the holy laws of life and faithfulness. They were but less usual utterances of the same. Go thy way, thy son liveth. The man, noble man, certainly in this obeyed, and found his obedience justify his faith. But his son would have to work out his belief upon grounds differing from those his father had. In himself he could but recognize the resumption of the natural sway of life. He would not necessarily know that it was God working in him. For the cause of his cure, he would only hear the story of it from his father. Good evidence, but he himself had not seen the face of the Holy One as his father had. In one sense or another, he must seek and find him. Every generation must do its own seeking and its own finding. The fault of the fathers often is that they expect their finding to stand in place of their children's seeking. Expect the children to receive that which has satisfied the need of the fathers upon their testimony. Whereas, rightly, their testimony is not grounded for their children's belief, only for their children's search. That search is faith in the bud. No man can be sure till he has found for himself. All that is required of the faithful nature is a willingness to seek. He cannot even know the true nature of the thing he wants until he has found it. He has but a dim notion of it, a faint star to guide him eastward to the sunrise. Hopefully the belief of the father has the heart in it which will satisfy the need of the child. But the doubt of this in the child is the father's first ground for hoping that the child with his new needs will find for himself the same well of life, to draw from it with a new bucket, it may be, because the old will hold water no longer.
its staves may be good but its hoops are worn asunder or rather it will be but a new rope it needs which has to twist from the hemp growing in his own garden the son who was healed might have asked the son who was healed might have many questions to ask which his father could not answer had never thought of he had heard of the miracle of cana he had heard of many things done since he believed that the man could cure his son and he had cured him yes the son might say but i must know more of him for if what i hear now be true i must cast all at his feet he cannot be a healer only he must be the very lord of my life it may be of the universe his simple human presence had in it something against the supposition contained in it what must have appeared reason for doubting this conclusion from his deeds especially to the one who had not seen his divine countenance but to one at length enlightened of the great spirit his humanity would contain the highest ground for believing in his divinity for what it meant would come out ever and ever loftier and grander the lord who had made the universe how should he show it but as the healer did he could not make the universe over again in the eyes of every man if he did the heart of the man could not hold the sight he must reveal himself as the curing god the god who set things which had gone wrong right again that could be done in the eyes of each individual man this man may be he the messiah emmanuel god with us we can imagine such the further thoughts of the son possibly of the father first only he had been so full of the answer to his prayer of the cure of his son that he could not all at once follow things towards their grand conclusions in this case as in the two which follow the lord heals from a distance i have not much remark upon this there were reasons for it one perhaps the necessity of an immediate answer to the prayer another probably lay in its fitness to the faith of the supplicants for to heal thus although less of a sign or a wonder to the unbelieving had in it an element of finer power upon the faith of such as came not for the sign or the wonder but for the cure of the beloved for he who loves can believe what he who loves cannot believe and he who loves most can believe most in this respect these cures were like the healing granted to prayer in all ages not that god is afar off for he is closer to every man than his own conscious being is to his unconscious being but that we receive the aid from the unseen though there be no distance with god it looks like to men and when jesus cured thus he cured with the same appearances which attended god's ordinary healing the next case i take up is similar it belongs to another of my classes but 
as a case of possession there is little distinctive about it while as the record of the devotion of the mother to her daughter a devotion quickening in her faith so rare and lovely as to delight the very heart of jesus with its humble intensity it is one of the most beautiful of all the stories of healing the woman was a greek and had not had the training of the jew for a belief in the messiah her misconceptions concerning the healer of whom she had heard must have been full of fancies derived from the legends of her race but she had yet been trained to believe for her mighty love of her own child was the best power for the development of the childlike in herself no woman can understand the possible depths of her own affection for her daughter i say daughter not child because although love is the same everywhere it is nowhere the same no two loves of individuals in the same correlation are the same much more the love of a woman for her daughter differs from the love of a father for his son differs as the woman differs from the man there is in it a peculiar tenderness from the sense of the same womanly consciousness in both of undefendedness and self-accountable modesty a modesty in this case how terribly tortured in the mother by the wild behavior of the daughter under the impulses of the unclean spirit surely if ever there was a misery to drive a woman to the healer in an agony of rightful claim and prostrate entreaty it was the misery of a mother whose daughter was thus possessed the divine nature of her motherhood of her womanhood drew her back to its source to find help for one who shared in the same but in whom its waters were sorely troubled and grievously defiled she came crying to him about him stood his disciples proud of being jews for their sakes this chosen gentile must be pained a little further must bear with her saviour her part of suffering for the redemption even of his chosen apostles they counted themselves the children and such as she the dogs he must show them the divine nature dwelling in her for the sake of this revelation he must try her sorely but not for long have mercy on me she cried o lord thou son of david my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil but not a word of reply came from the lips of the healer his disciples must speak first they must supplicate for their gentile sister he would arouse in them the disapproval of their own exclusiveness by putting it on for a moment that they might see it apart from themselves their hearts were moved for the woman send her away they said meaning give her what she wants but to move the heart of love to grant the prayer they poor intercessors added a selfish reason to justify the deed of goodness either that they would avoid being supposed to acknowledge her claim on a level with that of a jewess and he would make of it what both puritans and priests would call an uncovenanted mercy 
or that they actually thought it would help to overcome the scruples of the master. Possibly it was both. She crieth after us, they said, meaning she is troublesome. They would have him give as the ungenerous and the unjust gave to the importunate. But no healing could be granted on such a ground, not even to the prayer of an apostle. The woman herself must give a better. I am not sent, he said, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They understood the words falsely. We know that he did come for the Gentiles, and he was training them to see that they were slow to understand that he had other sheep which were not of this fold. He had need to begin with them thus early. Most of the troubles of his latest, perhaps greatest apostle, came from the indignation of Jewish Christians that he preached the good news to the Gentiles as if it had been originally meant for them. They would have had them enter into its privilege by the gates of Judaism. What they did at length understand by these words is expressed in the additional word of our Lord given by St. Mark. Let the children first be filled. But even this they could not understand until afterwards. They could not see that it was for the sake of the Gentiles as much as the Jews that Jesus came to the Jews first. For whatever glorious exceptions there were among the Gentiles, surpassing even similar amongst the Jews, and whatever the widespread refusal of the Jewish nation, he could not have been received amongst the Gentiles as amongst the Jews. In Judea alone could even the leaven work. There alone could the mustard seed take fitting root. Once rooted and up, it would become a great tree, and the birds of the world would nestle in its branches. It was not that God loved the Jews more than the Gentiles, that he chose them first, but that he must begin somewhere. Why? God himself knows, and perhaps has given us glimmerings. Upheld by her God-given love, not yet would the woman turn away. Even such hard words as these could not repulse her. She came now and fell at his feet. It is as the master would have it. She presses only the nearer. She insists only the more, for the devil has a hold of her daughter. Lord, help me! for the trouble of her daughter is her own. The help me is far more profound and pathetic than the most vivid blazon of the daughter's suffering. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Terrible words, more dreadful far than any he ever spoke besides. Surely now she will depart in despair. But the Lord did not mean in them to speak his mind concerning the relation of Jew and Gentile. For not only do the future of his church and the teaching of his spirit contradict it, but if he did mean what he said, then he acted as was unmeet, for he did cast a child's bread to a dog. No, he spoke as a Jew felt, 
that the elect Jews about him might begin to understand that in him is neither Jew nor Gentile, but all are brethren. And he has gained his point. The spirit in the woman has been divinely goaded into utterance, and out come the glorious words of her love and faith, casting aside even insult itself as if it had never been, all for the sake of her daughter. Now indeed it is as he would have it. Yes, Lord, but the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Or, as St. Matthew gives it, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. A retort quite Greek in its readiness, its symmetry, and its point. But it was not the intellectual merit of the answer that pleased the master. Cleverness is cheap. It is the faith he praises, far more precious than any show of the intellect, even in regard of the intellect itself. The quickness of her answer was the scintillation of her intellect under the glow of her affection. Love is the quickening nurse of the whole nature. Faith in God will do more for the intellect at length than all the training of the schools. It will make the best that can be made of the whole man. It is the faith he praises which was precious as rare, unspeakably precious, even when it shall be the commonest thing in the universe, but precious now as the first fruits of a world redeemed, precious now as coming from the lips of a Gentile, more precious as coming from the lips of a human mother pleading for her daughter. O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. Or, as Mark gives it, for we cannot afford to lose a varying word. For this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. The loving mother has conquered the tormenting devil. She has called in the mighty aid of the original love. Through the channel of her love it flows, now creating, and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Where, O disciples, are your children and your dogs now? Is not the wall of partition henceforth destroyed? No, you too have to be made whole of a worse devil, that of personal and national pride before you understand. But the day of the Lord is coming for you, notwithstanding ye are so incapable of knowing the signs and signals of its approach that although its banners are spread across the flaming sky, it must come upon you as a thief in the night. For the woman we may well leave her to the embraces of her daughter. They are enough for her now. But endless more will follow, for God is exhaustless in giving where the human receiving holds out. God be praised that there are such embraces in the world, that there are mothers who are the salvation of their children. End of chapter 6, part 1.